0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to the fire.
2: Welcome to the Fire Boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be
1: your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics
2: or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your work day there's always a place at our campfire for you
1: speaking of the fire we would love it if you guys would join our growing patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of the dixon line
2: come on if you'd like and learn more click on the link in the show notes but for now Walt, welcome Welcome to the the fire. fire all right everybody welcome back to the southern collective hunting podcast i'm joined here with quite the crew i've got a special guest of honor you know um pretty much any time i've ever put you pablo put you in a video this last one put out a couple podcasts i always get we need more pablo that's literally what everybody says we need more flipping pablo so we're here (laughs) <laughs> to be a podcast for the people. Yeah. And bring them more Pablo. So yeah. we've got Pablo. No. Esquivel. Me,
3: there you go. Perfectly pronounced. Did so, I? Yes. Yeah, to me is an honor, man. Um, I mean, it's just an honor being around you. And now that you gave me the opportunity to meet uh Walter and also Brett, which I used to call Greg, remember? Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. I was like, hey Greg. And uh, I was like, no, his name is Brett. And uh, so it's an honor, man. I mean, um, you guys really got it going on right here, you know. So, so to me, it's this is very special, man. This is a very special moment.
2: It is, yeah, man. I mean, I I feel honored every single time I get to be on a podcast with these next two guys. We got Walter mm-hmm. here from Tallahassee, Tall Nasty. I thought we got, you were for
1: sure going to say Chasing Tales when you when you said Frog. <laughs> we got Walter here
2: <laughs> from Chasing Tales. One of these days, we're not going to be able to make jokes. Because we're going to be way too far along in podcasts to, to, to do that. But for now, yeah, let's keep doing that, boys. Um, and we got Brett. Brett Mashburn. Fellas, this is probably this is going to be episode, what, like five or six? Episode five. So this is going to be the first one that we've really sat down and we didn't have an agenda. Yeah. How are you boys feeling about that?
1: very anxious that does not do me any good like i'm worried we're going to get off on a tangent but the good news is we've got pablo here and so any tangent he goes down is going to be absolute gold so i'm just going to keep feeding him (laughs) bait and just let him run with it and basically just enjoy editing this in the the tail end of things because pablo i gotta be honest with you man i'm one of those guys that told parker Every time you're on a podcast, it's just gold. And I remember exactly. the the complete and total appreciation and gratitude you had for what we get to experience and take for granted on, on a day in, day out yeah. basis. And I was like, that's the kind of guy I, I want to hear every single week. So no, I'm man, thrilled that you're here.
3: It. I appreciate it a lot. Like I said, I guess, and I, I discussed this with Parker one time um, when I just got into it and I started watching the videos. I came across like Alabama public land hunting and all that stuff. It was kind of like a. it was difficult to find somebody that I actually liked. Then I came across Parker. And man, I was really jealous. Uh, The reason that I was jealous, not because he was killing deer. Not at all. I was jealous because on every single video that he was putting out there, it looks like you guys were having so much fun. Like him, Mr. uh, Randall. Uh-huh. Uh, friends and family it was looking like fun and that's what I was jealous of I was like man I want to be surrounded by a group of guys that can help me not only grow up as a person but I can hold it if you want you hold on. it yourself Yeah, that's <laughs> you big <hold> you <laughs> own. yeah. No, but for real like <laughs> surrounded by a group of guys that not only going to help me grow up as a person but will you know let me enjoy the way they're supposed to be enjoyed, which is like at the end of the day deciding. The Shooting does.
2: That's whatever. really that's what it is. <laughs> yes, or just
3: the company, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. So I'm very honored that you welcome me in the circle and introduce me to such a great guys. And and like I said, man, people keep which is overwhelming sometimes to me. Like I'm like, wow, man, I feel really thankful. Everybody keeps sending me kind messages on se- social media. They're like a man you know, keep it up and this and that. So that means a lot to me because this is the the kind of fun that I was talking about that you can sit down with some guys. Been been struggling. Not, Not always has been sunny and breezy, you know. Been struggling, been doing things the wrong way, been making mistakes and eventually overcome those which will lead to a success hunt, you know, which at the end of the day, regardless, if it's a spike, a doe or a big old buck, you know. I mean, a success hunt is related to every individual i would say you know
2: yeah i'm telling you guys y'all haven't lived until you've been on a hunt with pablo it's fun it's fun (laughs) stuff it's um you know it's it's kind of funny i had pablo on a on instagram live the other day we were out shooting our bow Mm -hmm. and uh just like right when i hit record pablo like just like i i think it's actually turned into an issue with the release like the release is just like prematurely releasing
3: <laughs> something is going on you the, know the, the release mine used to be uh the one that is called the close uh close hinge or something like that this one is just a hook and when when you shoot the thing gets open like that but it gets like in a semi-closing position like this right so you believe that the thing is locked because when you pull the string it will actually have some tension but at the end of the day like it's like a like a hinge release for like a 20 pounds or something like that. <laughs> so when you're going drawing on your boat, the thing we just released, I don't know where it's like a pow. And dude, that day my lip got purple, but I just stuff it out because Parker's like a you're live on Instagram. And I was like, a, Hey, just another day right here on the shooting range, and I just slapped myself on the face. I slapped the Hispanic crap out of me, you know. But uh, but I tell you what, dude. It hurt, man. I mean, he really did. But uh,
2: it was perfect time. It, yeah.
3: It really was. And if you play it back, you hear the smack. I mean, there ain't no light, like such a, like, you know, a little bit. It's like, bow, you know? And so, and then I did it again. And I called Parker and I said, I just did it again. He said, what do you mean? And I said, yeah. And yeah, my mouth was kind of swollen. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. new release. Because <laughs> I mean, and good deal, dude. Good deal that he was in a controlled environment kind of practice thing. Think about having a deer in front of you. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you just smack yourself. I do. I will probably, I will lose it. You know?
2: That's the shot that it would happen on too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be the time that it happened.
3: Yeah. I would Throw my ball at him or something like that. I guess being pissed off. I don't know. But, um, but yeah. Now talking about that, I want to bring a topic and see what you guys think. Okay. And this is for amateur people like me. I know there's different opinions out there. I, I do, hey,
2: Listen, I, I, I'm, for anybody who doesn't know Pablo, Pablo is not an amateur. This is not. I am. Pa, he he I thinks am. he is. He talks like he is. He is, in fact, not. i tell and you him, right now, he doesn't call deer, deer in, like deer an amateur,
1: because I've never seen somebody use trees as big as he does to uh, call in white <laughs> tails, So <laughs>
3: Pablo's only calling mature deer. <laughs> like aggressive, <laughs> kind of like a the the one that is like, a he's and give you two pieces of biscuit, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, because the thing is, I was using rocks and all that, making it like a little bit more real. I don't know where Parker is about to be done with the rattling sequence, and I ain't got nothing. It's like, I'm going to throw my rifle or I'm going to throw this log right here. <laughs> I'm like, but I got to do something. Okay. I just send it, you know, and it sounds very realistic, like it was stumbling down the hill, but apparently it scared him off. It made the, the cut
2: for the video, though.
3: He yes, did. yes, he did. He
2: did. Which, which. Speaking of speaking of which, uh, we've got we've got an, a very important thing to do here, Pablo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're doing a giveaway. You said yes. Um, you, you volunteered a giveaway. Yes. Um,
3: that was hilarious. Yes, we're gonna do a <laughs> giveaway. Bart didn't know what I was talking about. He was like, "You had a few drinks this morning, <laughs> you know, like before going home. What was going on?" But um. No, man, Uh, every people, like I said, everybody leaving a comment on the video about what do they like better, rather being a gun hunt, a bow, crossbow, uh, what kind of caliber did they shoot, um, all those things, we're going to give away a brand new Soko hoodie, right? That's right. Um, Of course, we're going to randomly select somebody from the comment section, and uh, there's going to... I guess Parker is going to get in contact with them and just kind of like making sure that's going to fit your correct size and all that stuff. But it is uh, one of those things that you just cannot miss the opportunity, man. You have to leave a comment out there (laughs) because you never know.
2: Well, you you never know. We've got um, last time I looked, we had close to 50-ish comments. Does that still look right
1: to you, fellas? Yep. How many? We had 44 at lunch. 44 at lunch. So we got to be so 61. So there's 61. Oh, Christ. 61 wow. right now.
2: That is so amazing. So here's what we're going to do, okay? I need you to pick a number between 1 and 61.
3: 37.
2: 37. All right. Y'all talk about something else for 30 seconds. Walt, off the cuff, ask ask Pablo a question. Okay.
3: So Pablo, go ahead. What... My, my question
1: yeah. for you is Are you going to take a knife with you when you go hunting moving forward?
3: Dude. That's been, that was a nightmare, but I swear to God, like from now on, I'm going to keep with me a knife and a lighter, just in case you never know when you might need a lighter, but a knife is going to be like, I'm going to have one in my pocket and one in my backpack from now on, because that was not fun at all. And Parker called me. He's like, Hey, did you shot him? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're like two miles away from the boat. And I said, yeah. And I don't have my pocket knife. He was like, ah, good luck, and I said, ah, it be shoot, man. As soon as I started going up them ridges and all that, yeah, that's when I was feeling it. And I was like, man, this is never happening again. And it happened to me next week, but fortunately, I was just yeah, and but fortunately, I was shooting my bow, so I had my broadhead, and that's what I, I just used my broadhead to god my deer up, you know. And um, what broadhead were you using? Uh, The Magnus Stinger, just kind of like a a little bit long. Yes, yes, that yeah. There you go. That's the one. So for those at home watching, you know, just in case this will actually work as a pocket knife, and you can get the deer. I did the same thing in Tennessee this year.
1: Did you, Pablo? We need we need a, a, a how to tutorial on how to field dress a deer with a with a broadhead. We're gonna put it unlisted for the Patreon group. Yeah, yeah, man.
4: Without hurting yourself.
1: Yeah, I did. I
3: that's it option. You actually took a picture of that, though. Oh yeah, you came over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure did. I came over here because I said I got to show Parker. You know what's a good doe? And, and literally, I said, "Here goes nothing." I'm just gonna go climb up there. Remember, like thirty. Yeah, minutes Yeah, like later. ten
2: o'clock in the morning.
3: Yeah, and like thirty minutes later, it's like I gotta be down on the ground. And um, it was amazing, though.
2: Pablo, he uh, he don't he don't hesitate shooting a doe. So you said thirty-seven, right? Yep. Is that good?
3: Yeah, thirty-seven. All right,
2: I've counted down to thirty-seven on here. And Who is the, it? the winner is a Louisiana. He either lives in Los Angeles or Louisiana.
3: No kidding. I'm gonna
2: guess it's Louisiana. Um, but it is Dennis Hart seven eight one eight is one a Soko Hoodie. I'm going to uh comment. Yeah, on Damn, his, his comments dude. Dennis, go ahead and read it out loud, and, and and let let Dennis know what am I what am I reading out loud? He's a okay. comment. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Oh, I guess that'd be cool.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> Love your content. Used to live in L.A. I don't know if that means Louisiana, Lower or Alabama, or
3: Lower Lower Alabama. Alabama. You yep. would know,
4: Brett.
2: Mm. Cam. out. <laughs> Used to live in Lower Alabama. Always had a good time hunting down there. That does make perfect sense yes. for the for yeah. the video. Well, Dennis Hart is going to be the uh, the proud new owner of a Soco hoodie. Freaking sweet, hoodie. sweet. We, that is we, we, amazing. We've got to yeah. talk
1: about this because I think Pablo may have given us our next like giveaway idea. I, I, I think I think I can see something brewing here, uh, long term.
2: Okay. What cool. what 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 is I I, well, I think
1: we I think we need to look at picking a comment on each of the video the hunting videos that we post and uh sending them sending them some kind of swag package.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that was a really good idea. I like that idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I said I still like consider that, idea. that. Like, you know. Yeah, definitely. I love it. You know I've yeah. got
2: an idea. What if we just did a giveaway when people left a comment on the YouTube videos?
3: Yep. It, <laughs> Well, I was gonna say like that's gonna be a lot. A of, yeah, was I was a gonna joke. say I was gonna be a lot of giveaways every week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, no, I mean like anytime he sounds great, Parker. He he really sounds great. Anytime there's somebody, let's say, you put one of these uh, somebody kills a buck, okay, or something like that, and then you go ahead and do a giveaway when somebody so kills a deer.
2: If if there's a deer kill, we do a giveaway.
3: Yeah, I think no I think that's what we should do. Yeah.
2: Deer
0: kill giveaway.
1: Campfire which ca- is oh, we to gotta, this, this is good. We can lean into this. Mhm. Th- just so Definitely. everybody knows this is exactly what our this is a verbal audio representation of the Soko group text message every day. Like this is non-stop. We're 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 brainstorming ideas for you guys. So, oh, and speaking of which, talking about giveaways, Todd, listen. That is your package going out in the mail. Uh, you'll probably have that by the time you hear this podcast next week.
2: But Yeah, we gave that away last week. Zinger's we
1: right? Yep, Zinger Fletchings. And then I've got uh, chops, Turkey Vest uh, uh, done up, because I'm tired of hearing him complain about that. Uh, and uh, I got a package going to BZ. He bought... Uh, poor guy bought my Bottomland hat and... Didn't get it. And so... um I'm giving him mine because I can't wear Richardson 112, so I'm sending him mine, uh, as well. But kind of professional things
2: going on here, here at Soco.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but along the lines of that, uh, Patreons. We'll just go ahead and make a really rough segue into this because giveaways are what we're talking about here. If you missed it last episode, you need to go back and listen to the tethered giveaway episode. Uh, We did an interview with Greg and Ernie. Um, It was a really good interview. And uh, as always, I mean, those guys are remarkably generous at all times. They offered to give away uh, one of the first carbon fiber predator platforms to our Patreon Great. So, yeah, I know. I When when That's, he said that to oof. Parker and I about like lost it, Pablo, I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> yes. So uh, if you want to be in on that, if you want to support the show, if you want to get a free hat and let me tell you this right now, the free hat that Parker has designed for you beats the brakes off of any free hat that you've gotten from this channel before. I mean, it is envious. Uh, go check out Patreon. The show notes are in the link below. And one of the things we do to say thank you is we give you shout outs. So we're going to pick four more. We may have to up the number here, Parker, because we have so many people signing up. I can't actually turn through them, but Andrew Lang, BDS outdoors, Trent LaRoe and Clint Remington want to say thanks to you guys uh for signing up. Actually, we'll throw one more in there as well. Paul Eaton. I'm just worried. We're not going to be able to get to these guys quickly enough. I feel like
2: if my, if my last name would have been Remington, I know we'd be sitting a lot different right now listen you know that I mean? dude like i don't mean that now i don't mean that to like as like a as like an insult to my family or my dad or our, our family name. but if i was last name remington i could have done some stuff
3: i could said if i was last name escobar
2: <laughs> you would have you would have
3: could have been different
2: this, the <laughs> things would have been different yeah you're <laughs> correct
3: <I don't> know. <laughs> but no, you know, so going, yeah, <laughs> going back to what I, I was, I was going to ask you something about on, on the amateur. Oh, I remember. Okay. I was going to bring this up to you guys. Cause you, I know I am an amateur and you know it. I'm just kind of like walking the right path. Okay. After many, many years of uh, failure and heartbreakers and all that, I finally feel like I've kind of understand a little bit. What am I doing? So, there's many different opinions on this subject. One of them is no, you don't. Some of them, yes, you do. Which is early summer scouting.
2: Early summer scouting, like, are you talking about like June or just summer scouting?
3: Ah, uh, let's let's in general. Let's wrap it up in summer scouting. Yeah. Okay. W- w- what is your guys' take on this one?
2: Well, I think I'm I'm of the opinion uh, and. Uh, I think Brett's going to have a lot to say on this. I'm just going to have a little to say on this. Um, (laughs) If you, if you haven't ever been to a place, you know, like if you move to a new place or whatever, like to, to get your bearings on a place. Yeah. Go scout it in the summer. Like if that's the time that you have to go and learn, I'm kind of in a, in a different situation, you know, like that's kind of the only time I'm not in those woods. And so I kind of, I take advantage of the summertime to spend yeah. with family and do all that kind of stuff because because I have a pretty good understanding and I, I but I also used to scout it in the summer yeah, too you, you have to a, learn
3: it you have a built-in GPS map with the place in your head already yeah that's what it gives you the advantage but like for somebody like me it could be really tricky because I can go in there in summertime and it's like oh man this looks so good right here this and that but by the time that the season comes along the place is completely different and I realize that it's a bust. You know, but then if you do postseason scouting, you go and you find all the fresh sun and this and that, but it doesn't necessarily mean a lot of time like stays in there for the next season and they keep on going on their traveling behaviors, whatever it's called, but a lot of times it goes away too. So I'm confused with that. And I don't really know. Like if I should put a little bit more effort before. Or a little bit more effort after with cameras. Some I put one one camera one time, somebody stole it. And I was about to cry. I was like, oh, you could have <laughs> took the camera just leaving the SD. I asked that's the only thing that I wanted to know. Because at the end of the day, it it wasn't about the camera itself. It was about just seeing if my knowledge was successful enough to get a deer right. Walking by. That's what I wanted to know.
2: What do you think, Brett? I, th- I think you got a lot uh, to say on this, mm-hmm. on summer scouting. I know you do it a lot.
4: Yeah, I do. I of season scouting, like, period. But during the summertime, I'm more or less running cameras, checking yeah. stuff for early season. Um, but you kind of opened Pandora's box uh, when you started talking. You were confused a little bit on summer versus post-season scouting. Yep. And personally I think postseason is the most important. And like you said, you're you're seeing all the sign that's laid down during the time you can actually hunt deer yep. per se. In a lot of Alabama and Florida, at least North Florida, the rut is later. So you're seeing all that good rut sign. Well, you can pick up on that right after season, map it, you know kind of keep that mentally stable. But when it comes into early season, that's not really going to be part of your strategy. You're going to keep that in mind for deering season when the pressure gets put on for a month and those deer get pushed into those thicker areas. That's where they're going back to the areas you're finding in post season. That's once the pressure gets on, that's where the deer go mm. back into and use it for that. Summertime, they're going to be out because there's no pressure. The best food sources, uh, they're going to hit that shift when they shed their velvet, and then the acorns start falling. So kind of in that right before season, like right now, you know, they're getting close to that velvet shed, and they're going to make a shift, and then your food sources are going to start changing. You're going to have to kind of refine them all over again right now, like basically go out, a couple of weeks before season trying to find good acorns or the food source are hitting right there at early season. But that stuff you find in post-season is going to come into effect more towards maybe the middle, you know, depending on when your rut hits, more maybe more in the middle of deer season towards your rut for your post-season stuff that you're finding. Any questions from that?
3: Dude, that's amazing. That is, Brett, that's really, really amazing because, I mean, uh, like I said, I was confused and I was second guessing myself. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, it's definitely, definitely a, a lesson for me right now. I mean, use it, but be wise. And, and just, I guess, do you, I don't know, do you get, it happened to me, I get blind with the sign. Like, I get, I get blind. And I see some scrapes and I see some rubs, and I'm like, "This is a, it. It might be thirty, forty yards from the other side of where the sign is. Mm-hmm. And if I should have been up there, could have been a completely different outcome, you know." But in my case, again, and all this will come with experience, because you know, y'all, y'all remember, you know, I came late to the party, so I'm still learning.
2: Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know that, yeah. you uh, moved here from Costa Rica.
3: There you go. Uh, and what, what was it about? 12 years ago? Uh, yeah, Actually, next month is going to be 13. 13 years ago? Yeah. And then I didn't start hunting until I was like mid-20s, maybe upper-20s. And that's uh, because, well, first off, I didn't speak good at all. Well, I'm still learning, you know, but at the times it was a little bit rougher. So everything has been kind of like a process for me. Whenever I start getting better at it, then then it's like, okay, now it's time to take the next step. And and then I feel prepared, like, OK, I understand the law is a little bit better because something I know is like a, ignorance is not an excuse when it comes to life yeah. issues around. Have you thing.
2: ever had any did you oh, ever have have things like that? Any um, weird situations
3: like that? No, but I did uh, seen a bunch of videos of people getting getting nailed, you know, and, uh, and I definitely understand why it's such a like big thing, because, you know, people from other countries doesn't get to do what we do. And a lot of times uh, they don't understand it, but they just don't realize like what a conservation programs do they have in this country, like how serious it is, and, and it's designed for a reason, and the reason has results, which at the end of the day is us being able to go out there and enjoy what we do.
2: Yeah, you look at it, you look at it from know. a different, a yes. different lens you than know. a lot of us do, for sure. Like so. I, I think I grew up in a. Or I've I guess grown up looking at it through a lens of like it's not been great. Like we're getting stuff taken away and people coming after this, coming after this, whatever. But you come over here and you see what it's when it when it really has hit the fan, like when yeah. it's really bad, you just have a you have such a good perspective, man, and you always do um going back to that video that we just put out. Um like for me that was a, last season was tough, right? Yes. Like we we've talked about that before. I don't have to hash that out anymore on the podcast. It was it was a hard season. But what I noticed is is that hanging out, like going and and spending time hunting with you and just really kind of like just going in to have a good time. Yes. Just going to have mm-hmm. fun n- no expectations, yeah. you know. Yeah. You went out in the middle of the rut, shot that doe, and it was awesome. Yeah. Didn't have a knife, all that. Yeah. And, you know, it was great. But it's like, man, it offers me such a a fresh perspective of how it should should look. You know, like yeah. like I sent you a picture of a buck that that I was like, kind of like, eh, you know, whatever, man. He's all right. And you were like, I would do anything to kill the buck like that right now. Yeah, you know,
3: definitely. I um, mean, is it's amazing. Uh, don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to kill a deer. You know, everybody wants to kill a, a good buck. But do you, I guess, and we go back to the first podcast. I'm on the process where, we, we actually spoke about this. I'm on the process where I'm just enjoying my trial. I'm just enjoying my run, you know. The first thing that walks in front of me is going to get an arrow. Dang I mean, right. it's just that easy. Or a bullet. And or a the, lot of people shot. Are like, well, or both of them. Or yes, if, if I, I got, can. if I got mm-hmm. both of them, oh, be that's And a lot of people's like, ah oh, man, you got a lot of well. And and I'm like, I get it. You know, like I definitely understand, but like a lot of people's in a different boat and and they already earn a lot of deer. They already put a lot of deer on their belt. They already understand the, the progress a lot better than what I do. And I know if I stop shooting the things of, that I can shoot, I'm gonna get really frustrated. And I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to enjoy it the way that I do, and probably the day is going to happen one day. I don't know when, and I don't really care about it. But the day that I can put my hands around a good rack buck like those back there or something like that, is probably going to be like a light switch. Did you hear that, boy? Wait and that me. one right there. I heard the him. Wall. Hey, you
2: hear that? Who's pointing my deer? Mm-hmm.
3: I'm gonna take you to my
1: wall.
2: <laughs> but i am show today, him your phone, Brett.
3: <laughs> whoa, whoa! Whoa! Take it easy. Whoa! Yeah, let's just back out. That's the, <laughs> the, the wrong turn road, rather. Right but uh no, what I'm saying is, like that day is probably going to be like uh the switch when I'm going to be like, okay, now I can start chasing a little bit differently than what I did. Well,
2: probably what's going to happen is you're probably going to like because I've seen the kind of spots that you're hunting. I've hunted with you, talked with you a lot about hunting. Like you're, you're just uh half a step away from
3: yeah really
2: and, really finding a good buck and i know you you've you have already shot a good one yeah you know, could recover but
3: putish remember he was running took a shot hit him a little bit back couldn't recover don't deal um uh, then the year after that i, I go ahead
4: brett i was gonna say pablo you're also in your phase that you're learning Kind of what kind of hunter you are, like what you like, what's your style? Yeah, you're still in the process of learning your style of hunting. And once you figure that out, and like you said, you kill a buck or two, and a light bulb will, you know, flip and you'll start to really be able to home in on your style of hunting and just take it to that next level at that point. Yeah, that's and it. Yeah. Ta- it takes time. I mean, like I've been hunting for 21 years or so. Wow, that's
3: amazing to me. Because he's only 22. Yeah, I know. He looks <laughs> like. Pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, he definitely looks like um, a <laughs> 22-year-old. <you> know?
2: <laughs> I really thought Brett was like 25. No I did way. too. Until,
3: yeah, I'm barely awesome older y'all. Yo.
2: You are. You are. I don't and know about
3: a, little, little, little. a Spring chicken right here. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I think I'm the second because I'm 34. Yeah. He's got you
4: beat. I got you. Beat. I thought you
3: were I thought you By were one year. age as me and Walt. Well, there ain't much. No. I tell you what. Hey, I oh. was gonna ask you.
4: And I'm yeah. I was gonna ask you, Pablo, because like, I don't know and I'm sure a lot of the listeners don't know, but like how'd your deer season go last year? Like what all did you kill and just how did
3: your whole year? It went go really good. I'm uh, really surprised. I killed five does in a spike. Oh, wow. That's it. That's good. He mm-hmm. killed more than Walt. <clears throat> what, that, that's it? Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I heard more than Deer than Walt killed in the last five years.
3: And that was all in public. <laughs> yeah, that was that was all in public like I usually do. Uh, I got really lucky several times. And uh, last year I have two heartbreakers. Big heartbreakers. Remember, I don't know if I told you guys, one um, got soaking wet in the morning. I was really cold so I started walking, came across this ticket An area that I like it as I was climbing was a big, big deer right on the ground. I mean, he's gone. So, question.
4: So, that happened to you and a big deer come in there. What can you take away from that? Like, what did you learn from that big deer encounter? Was it a different spot than you normally hunt? Was it a different time of day? Like, what can you take away from that to be a better hunter now?
1: I, listen this, uh, before, was, before y'all start a romance. I uh, just want y'all to know Brett is on my car insurance policy. He's not driving to North Alabama to smash your deer, too, Pablo. So you just gonna have to find your own cripple uh, deer crippler. So <laughs> does Pablo does Pablo know that joke or did I just like zing Probably one? Probably not. Him?
3: Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, didn't really
2: watch chasing. We'll hit, We'll, that, that. Think, we'll so. get back to
3: that. In a minute. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, because I have hit ten with my cars. I well, lost years, yes. Oh. Remember, I'm, crazy, I'm already on the board for this season. Average is like a
2: 1.8-ish a, a year.
3: Yeah. And it, trust me, man, it's been putting a wow. toe in my pocket. Because, dude, I try to dodge him. I'm like, Jesus Christ, not a... <laughs> you know? And I'm like, That's I 200. cannot believe. Dude, yeah. And I'm like, I just cannot do... When I took my wife's Cambry, remember? No. Well, I was going to work for some reason. She was going to be off that day. And I said, I'm just going to leave the pickup truck right here. I'm going to take your Camry. And uh, and I was (sighs) this kind of crazy mentality. I was going to work at two o'clock in the morning. And it was one of those cold January mornings. And I said, man, I wish a big old buck appears in the middle of nowhere. And I will total her car, you know? (laughs) And as I'm thinking that, I just listening to something on the right side. Boom! A doe, man, runs into the car on the passenger side. I do remember that. And I was like, You gotta be kidding me. Like, I stopped and I was like, What are the odds? Like, and then there she's laying. It was the only house on this country road, like the only one. And there she's laying on their yard dead. And I was like, Man, I mean, how come? I was like, Where the horn is that? You know? But, uh, I just felt bad for You knocked the them off, was, Pablo. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, they're going to wake up, and there's going to be a dead deer in their yard. Like, I said, man, I'm just going to have to drag this thing. So, yeah, I just kind of, like, move it out of the way, and that's it. But um, I also, too, with the 18 wheelers when I was driving 18 wheeler yeah, I hit the one in Pennsylvania, a little bit of thing, flew off, like, a football. I feel so bad for him. Ready for I mean, grand, it was- wasn't it? Yeah, I was like, geez, you know, but what are you going to do, man? You're not going to stop an 19-wheeler. And then the second one, I dodged him with the tractor, but he hit the trailer. <laughs> and I cannot set the story real quick. You can see whatever and, yeah, you want. And that day, the high was going to be like 40 degrees, right? So I stopped and I said, dang it. And it was no damage, but the thing is all messed up right there. So I said, screw it. And I pulled my pocket knife out and got it out, put it on the catwalk of the truck. I was just went on my day <laughs> when I was coming back to the yard, almost, almost over with my day. My boss called me. He's like, Jesus Christ, you're the only one that I can think of. Do you, or do you not have a dead deer strap on the tractor? And I was like, <laughs> I do, you know, it's like, Dude, why are you thinking? I said, well, I mean, I wasn't going to let it go to waste. You know, so I just put some bungee cords and strap him off. And I was, everybody, that's what everybody was looking at my truck. Everybody was like, a, oh, dude, how's it that deer, And I was like, yeah, I mean, the high was going to be like 40. And, um, you know, yeah. Perfectly good reason. Yeah, perfectly. just Why not? Yeah, just fine. And he uh, was like, by the grace of God, parked that truck. And I was like, I'm almost at the yard. He's like a. Okay, get that thing off and get the truck washed tomorrow. And I was like, say no more. (laughs) But um but yeah, man. Um mm.
2: (laughs) We don't even know what to say. We're just like, okay, well, who 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 is next?
4: Walt derailed the conversation or the question (laughs) I asked. Yes, that I did. But like I was just curious if there was anything you learned from that encounter. I did um take away things.
3: One of them, I felt that I walked into a bedding area when they were back because it was already like 10 o'clock, 10.30 in the morning. What made you feel like that? What did you see? Well, as I was walking out, it was a really thick area. And I was just easing, like creeping my way into it. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, something that I noticed. It was It was tremendous amounts of deer poop on the ground. Like tremendous. Not a lot of browsing. Not a lot of browsing at all, but just tremendous amount of poop. Little bitty pockets of open ground here and there. You know, I was like a man a deer can stand up and walk into one of these openings at any moment. To my surprise, he probably was out throughout the night or something like that, and then he came back early morning and he bedded down. And then, while I was doing the noise, you know, that he stood up and just kind of like um look me going up in the tree and all that stuff. So, so, were you
4: hunting outside of that area you thought may have been bedding, or were well, you hunting inside of it?
3: I was hunting inside of it. The thing that I, um, it was it's like a point with a let me see. So, Parker can actually translate this kind of wording a little bit better when it comes to the top of. I'm going to be a translator, fellas. Yeah, so I can show you exactly what the place looks like.
4: That's what I had to do for me.
3: Don't worry. So uh, so in that way, you cannot definitely understand because I'd be like, okay, it was kind of like a flat area with a thing like that. So you won't understand it. But he said it was a flat area. Hold on. In this case, this is the one. Nope. Hold on. Yeah, it is. This is not this is this one. Yep. Right there. So I walked from there across. You walked,
2: you walk, it's just a big point. It's mm-hmm. a big point with a really, really steep um a really really steep bluff.
3: I came down right here. And this is the area. Right here.
2: Yeah, it, you're basically what you're looking at. Um what I'm seeing Can is I like? Put it up there? Yeah, you can, you can show it to them. You, you won't be able, you, nobody will see it. But you're basically looking at an area with a lot of like small benches, like all the spur rid- spur ridges have a bunch of benches, kind of like small point benches off of them with really steep, looks like really steep uh, drop offs on them.
4: And a they really, can lay a really,
2: there and look really good. There's mm-hmm.
4: like a okay. visual plus a thick.
2: And there, it looks like there's about three, like three of those all in that small area. And a deer could, a, a buck could really get in there and and be bulletproof no matter what, yeah. wind direction was.
4: A couple of questions I have, like, was that spot, like, shaded? Like It was. It was shaded, shaded. but it was a little
3: yes. open underneath? No, it was shaded because, like I said, it was a pine ticker that it got pins. So it was just a few pines here and there, but everything is overgrown. so it was it was well shaded uh really good well shaded, but also it was so thick that I don't know where it was like a little bit opening right here, and maybe ten feet later another opening, and you can tell that it was like small, really delicate trails going through mm-hmm. and and the thing that helped me the most, and I guess that's why I didn't get busted right away a rain a pour was like couple hours before everything was soaking wet and i was walking really stealthy so i wasn't crunching leaves i wasn't crunching sticks everything was soaking wet so i was actually able to ease my way into it and um i learned that like right away i was like um this is a really good example for me because like like brett was saying he's betting right here he probably has wind advantage that's i mean that's a fact most likely, but the most important thing is like he has that cover advantage. Mm-hmm. He can bolt out in any direction, and you're barely going to see the horns moving across it or something like that. So, um, Then after that, I walked in this other area. It was very close to the road. As I'm walking in, some people kind of like driving a car or a racer, whatever it was. This was very loud. He probably was bedded somewhere close to the road, and they bump him, and he was running, and I tried to stop him. He's already spooked, and I tried to stop him, and then he got into panic mode, and put it on fifth gear, and took <laughs> off. Like, it was no there's no, no way that you can put a shot on, the way that he was running. So I learned right away, like, if he's already an alert, and you try trying to stop him, or do the regular eh, or something like that, he's Don't actually going to bolt. Gear. Yes, and and that was a lesson. And man, I was about to cry. I'm like seriously, I was like, "Dude, that's too big, there." You know, but it was very good because I was like, "Okay, it means that I, at least I'm heading in the right direction." Yeah, you know? yeah.
4: So I think that's a lot of the reason people talk about timing in the woods is number one because. You're you're learning things all the time just by seeing deer, like mm-hmm. trying to stop a deer that's already on alert. So you, you learn that uh, kind of where a mature buck likes to be in, the you know, the part of the state that you hunt. Now, all those little things is from time in the woods.
3: Yeah, because so. um, like I'm going to go back to the story of the first buck that I would kill. Uh, this uh, It's a two and a half year old eight pointer. But I remember that day, I always I never knew what a rub was or a scrape, nothing like that. I remember even, like, dude, no shame. I remember even Googling deer poop because I didn't know how it, know it looked yeah, like. Yeah, I didn't know how it looked like. And I was like, yes, this is deer poop. So I was very pumped. Uh,
2: hey, I will say I don't feel too bad about that because every southern guy I've ever seen yeah. out west, Where there's elk, they're like, what does elk poop look like? You know, like, it's just like, if you're not, if you don't know it, if you're not from the area. Yeah. That is a hard thing
3: to figure out. But, man, uh, I got into a video or something talking about transition lines. So, there was this really nasty thicket of previous head. I also didn't know what previous head was or a white oak or a red oak. Now, like that, I ended up buying myself um, a Trees of Alabama book. So I can study a little bit. And I like it. I thought that it was a good area. Climb up there. Uh, around 9.30 in the morning. I got a, I got that buck walking towards me. And I was shaking so bad. I can remember. I thought that I was going to have a heart attack. I was shaking so bad <laughs> that I released the arrow, dude. And I missed him. And, dude, he was like 12, 15 yards at the most. And I missed him, and no shame. I cried, dude, and I cried hard because <laughs> it was the first time that I actually get to see a buck. Like, I seen nothing but those, and it was not, I never seen before a spike either, nothing. And I cried so hard, man, because I was like, all oh, this hard work. and How many years three. have you been hunting at that point? Three. Three? Yeah, and I have only killed one doe. Yeah. So <clears throat> I went two years and I, yeah, almost three seasons without seeing a deer doing the wrong thing. So I missed, I cried, and I said, Screw this. I'm doing this crap again. I'm going home. I went home. My wife was asking me, What happened? I was like, You don't understand, you know? Uh, I said, I'm never going home and back again, this and that. But three days later, I was off for several days. She she was going back to work. She said, are you going to go home today? I said, no, I'm done. Never doing it again. <laughs> she said, well, how about you just go out there and walk in the woods? At, at least um, get your mind clear, you know. And I said, That ain't going to happen. I'm a man of my word, not doing it. About, <laughs> you know, about <laughs> lunchtime. I said, screw it, you know, I'm going to go. And I just grabbed my bow. Didn't grab my, at the time I had a, a climber, one of the heavy ones that it will give you blood clots within a hundred yards of your vehicle, you know. So I walk up to the spot where I shot him. The, and I just kind of like, I look around. I was trashing, just walking with careless, didn't care much about it. And I look around where I missed him. And I said, you know what, man, this is stupid, you know? And I just started walking down from where I was, about 100 yards south. There was a log, and I remember I sat down, kind of like leaning against it. Uh, at the time, I didn't know anything about the thermals, and it was like a small ditch with a creek behind me. And there were some tracks and all that. Didn't thought about being um crossing, nothing like that, you know? So, no, no, I didn't know anything. So I I just sat down in there and uh, man, it was like five o'clock. It's getting gray. And I was, I swear to God, I was sitting down playing with dirt. Like literally, I was like, I'm just going to stay here until it gets dark. I'm just going to get it out of my head. Like, okay, I didn't kill anything. I'm just going to go. Maybe next week I'm going to do better. But I was feeling like literally feeling air going by me this way, coming from north to south. And I bet she was the thermals on the creek pulling, but I didn't know. So like I said, I'm just there and I don't know where I heard something. And I said, that's a squirrel, you know, and um, I just keep doing my thing. I got I'm leaning against the log and there's another log leaning sideways like this way. So my head is just kind of like tucked up in there like a blind pretty much. And I said, man, um, hold on a second. I no squirrel, you know, because it sounds really loud <laughs> and I look up. And dude, that deer is maybe about 10 yards from where I'm sitting looking at the log. Like he just can't find, figure out what's going on like this. Then I got my bow on the ground. It has an arrow knocked into it already, but but it's on the ground. I'm sitting down and and I'm I'm having a seizure attack. You know, I just can't cannot put my release on. I mean, like I'm just going all over the place, dude. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't even remember looking at the pipside. I just Clip it somehow, drew it and release him like this. <laughs> Dude, and I drill him on the chest. He took off running and collapsed. And I was like, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Like this is happening, you know. Like I just kill a deer and they're gonna find us both dead. Like I'm gonna be <laughs> dead right here, you know. So I said, I gotta get out of here. And I got out, man. And and my man, my heart was pumping so hard. I remember I called my wife and I was like, Honey, oh my! God. And she's like, What happened? And I said, i kill him, i kill him, you know? And she's like, are you sure that you didn't miss? I mean, what a bummer, you know? I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, what? I'm, I'm, I mean, like, come on and cheer me out. She's like, are you sure? You know, she's like, are you sure you didn't miss again? And I was like, I know, I swear to God, he's down, you know? And um, well, I come down, drink me a water, and I say, okay, now I'm going to go back. And I go back and I get lost. Like, I don't know where I was sitting at. It's already dark. I don't remember where I was sitting. It's it's a thousand logs that looks the same on the forest. You know, I don't know where I was sitting. I don't know where I shot him. And then here we go. No, say
2: they all look the same
3: on the darkness. (laughs) You know, (laughs) on the dark, on the darkness. Yeah. So, dude, okay, I was like an hour just. Screwing around about to cry again because I said, I didn't kill him. I probably missed, like she said. I most likely did. And and I probably hit something else and make it make that indistinguishable. No, you know that you know they hit him. And dude, I don't know where I stopped, and I was like, This is bull crap. And I turned around and I was like within two feet from him. And <laughs> for some reason, I couldn't see him. And that's when I lost him. Dude, I even shoulder mountain, dude. Like it was my first buck ever, two and a half year old eight pointer. And I went to the and taxi you
2: shot him with a buck.
3: Yeah, that's on the, the ground. Crap. You know, on the ground. And and then I took it to the taxi shop and uh some it was, I guess, some big shots out there. They're like, that's a small one. Yeah, you can't let him couple more years. I was about <laughs> to cut somebody out, you know. Because <laughs> I was like, You just don't know how much this thing means to me. I just you have no idea like the like how important this book is for me. Like and the guy's like, hey buddy, so you sure you want to show the You know, you can and I said I was like, dude, you know, the reason that I came here to begin with is because I want it's not like I'm asking for like a welfare benefit <laughs> taxidermy kind of project. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm paying you full price for it. You should just do your job, you know, and quit criticizing my 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 harvest. And um, that Perfect. thing is on my living room, dude. That thing is on my living room, and it's a reminder for me every day that I look at that thing. I'm like, dude, it can look small for anybody else, but they have no clue how hard I work for that book, and to be the same, deer within three years apart, you know, that I missed him. And then that I was able to kill him probably because he was dumb, you know, <laughs> but most likely, because if he was a big buck, he wasn't going to make the same mistake. That was a dumb buck, And, um, I got lucky, but it was a valuable lesson right there, dude. And, and after that, that's when I really got into it, not really got into it. I was already into it, but I didn't have the proper, um, guidance if we can say it like that i was uh
2: that was when you knew okay i want to chase this for a long time
3: yes I but like i got gotta do it the feels. right way because yep. mm, Walter, water i don't know if you know but you know when i first started hunting well like i said my english was very limited and i remember i was watching these direct tv deer shows from the promised land you know where all they should is nothing but like 160s, 170s and such. And I was trying to replicate the things that they were doing. And it was absolutely wrong. And one of the things that I remember is I remember seeing spraying something on them. At the time, like I said, my English wasn't that good. And I thought that it was like deer scent. So it was scent killer. And I went to Walmart and I got myself a bottle of deer est- estrus. And I was spraying that crap on me and I was like coughing, dude, like, you know, and I was like, <laughs> this is strong, you know, but that's what I, that's what I thought that they were doing. Fungent. Yeah. I was like, this thing's stout, you know, I was like, that's, and then I realized like, hey, buddy, you've been doing it wrong. Cause I was getting home. My wife was like A stop, you know, <laughs> take your clothes off, throw them back there. You know, don't want watch is Yeah. Cause he was, he was strong, and uh, then that's when I realized, like, oh hey, okay, I have to change, and I started looking for, about Pablo hunting and this and that, and that's how I came across your channel, and I was like, oh, I said this he guy, I said this deer. I said, he will know you, <laughs> no, just kidding, <laughs> no, but but I mean that's that's how it all started, to be honest.
2: Pablo fun, man. It's um. It's always a blast hearing you talking just about these stories, man. Like it's easy to take for granted. These first deer yeah. stories. I yeah. I like hearing I, I I man, how cool. I'm jealous that you get to experience this first year as an adult. Like you get to remember yes. that. You get to remember that moment. You get to re- Ooh, live man. in that. I My feel- first year was when I was 10, right? So yeah. it's like that was a long time ago. I don't remember everything as well as I want to, but but you get to I felt like it was
3: yesterday, especially the first time that I killed my dough. It was this sense of pride, uh, masculinity. I don't know how to explain it. I was like, I got it done.
2: American
3: pride, yeah. I was (laughs) like,
2: America, (laughs) you
3: know, and uh, yeah, and uh, dude, Uh, now that dough, she wasn't a big dough. This most likely a fun.
2: The big one? They're the first one, the very first deer yeah, you yeah.
3: killed? used he's, he's probably a fawn, a little bit of dumb fawn as well. Give me a shot and I took it.
2: With a bow as well?
3: Yeah. hmm Dude, I Maybe.
1: shot a fawn last year, so you ain't gotta feel bad about it. I've been doing this for a lot longer than you have. <laughs> <laughs> how
2: many uh yeah. how many how many deer have you actually killed with a gun?
3: Hmm. Not not too many. Not right? too many. Yeah. I was at two last year. And then that's so cool to me, though. Like four, five, mm-hmm. I would say, five, and the rest has been um with a bow.
2: I mean, that's just so different from most people's story. I think you know, at least people, southern people. Yeah. Most southern folks shot the first year with a gun. Yeah. That's just kind of the way it was, you know. Yeah. Did you all? Did you, you raise your hand? Thirty six, the... six,
1: twenty-five yards. Yeah. Crushed. Fred, what about you, Greg?
3: Did I say Greg? I thought you did. Did I'm you say sure Greg did. or Brett? I'm very sure I did Greg again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. sorry, dude. Yeah. The
4: the first deer that I've ever um, harvested was with a 30 30. Okay. Gold trigger. Come on, Uh oh.
3: Because because that's another you thing. Southern right. women. It's, it's different. It's way different when you walk in the woods with a family member. Um. sibling papa your dad something like that and you can actually learn as you go watching them whatever Mm -hmm. they point at you and all that but it's very difficult when you have a zero background and then you just go out there and you just don't know what to look for where to go or or what to do i mean to be honest it's, it's it's like like having a grown grown adult with a five-year-old mentality and just being like, ah, just woke up in there and kill a deer. It's like it's not that easy, especially in public, you know. And every year I learn something new. Definitely do. Um, something I've been trying to learn a little bit more is this patient. patience. And I quit second guessing myself so much, man, because I made a mistake one time. Remember, I was up I was up in the tree about four o'clock in the evening. And I was like, oh man, I should have been on that tree back there. And I started climbing down prime time, the dumbest thing that you can do, because I was second guessing myself so much. And as I'm going down, there's a small bug, like a six pointer looking at me. And I remember this quote from you when the sun hits hits their antlers, they look way bigger. Mm -hmm. And he looked like a giant to me. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? He was he he would walk like literally within 10 yards from where I was. But for being anxious, not patient, and second-guessing myself, I made a critical mistake rather, you know? So I also learned a hard lesson that day, but I was happy. Hopefully it
2: was just the sun and he wasn't that big.
3: No, it was the sun because as soon as he kept on running, (laughs) because trust me, I watched him. I watched him. As soon as he got in the shaded area, I was like, still, you know, a buck is a buck. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you know, and <clears throat> something when I took the shot in that big deer, he was he was a good deer. And you guys, I'm pretty sure I show you guys uh show y'all the video, you know. Uh he was a good, he was a heavy, heavy buck.
2: The one that you didn't recover.
3: Yeah, he was like what? Mm. I mean his core is secondary, but it can give he was people... he was
2: probably like 125
3: inch deer, probably. Mm, I showed one... right again you was second guess. I was at the upper one forties. Oh okay. With that's a, a bow? Yes. That's a
4: you're looking at a pope and young. That's that's impressive. That's not just a regular deer.
2: I hadn't seen the video in a while.
4: Go ahead and zoom it in. Now many people can say they've killed a a bunch of pope and youngs.
2: Hard to tell. Mm-hmm. He's 130. Okay. For sure.
4: Hold it up to the camera, Pablo. Hold on. It's
2: hard to tell because he's walking away. But he's a big deer, and I think that's the, like, you got the shot. You put yourself in the right spot. You got the shot. The majority of the God equation.
1: He's got a rocking chair on top of his noggin.
2: Mm-hmm. The majority of the equation was was got. Mm. like you had figured it out. Like that was a public deering and that was, that's a, an area that is a tough one to hunt.
3: But the thing that got me with that book, the thing that I learned the most, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I hate it that I didn't kill. him. You know, I definitely do that. I wasn't able to recover, but at the same time, I feel very, very happy that it didn't happen. And the reason why is because i'm afraid that that could steer me on the wrong direction but having one of those moments still learning and then i kill a deer out of nowhere i know everything and you quit being humble you start getting cocky you you see what i'm saying like you see where i'm going i feel kind of glad because it was like okay i was able to put one foot on the big leagues I was able to get a taste of it, and I also was able to get a taste of what and how it feels when you cannot recover, because it happens, and it will happen again. I mean, it's what it is. So I was very glad and very thankful for, like, this is a priceless, priceless lesson for me right here. And uh, at the end of the day, the thing that happened with that buck, and it's one of the most crazy things that I've never seen it. um, I don't know if I'm going to get Lucky enough to see it again. I got a, I was in a swamp. I used to walk away from that area until one day the water was down, and and it was just a little bit of stretch that you can walk. On that area, there was tracks on like in on the on the mud, and the water wasn't disturbed at all, so you can see cl- clear. You know, then I realized that I'm walking away from the sun, like from an actual crossing area. I climb in there. I had a big old doe going, I mean, walking out of the cat mart, like at the cattails, and a big one. I was going to shoot her out know where Another one came out, but her tail was kind of like a halfway up. wasn't like a straight up flag. It was like halfway up. So I was Literally, really, well. dude, I was just without, without moving. I was like, am I being busted? Like, what's going on right now? And they stood up in there, that opening for... A minute or so, which is same, it seemed like an hour. And I don't know where an A-pointer came out. A good A-pointer. And I was like, oh, my God. And just kind of waiting because the does, they start walking towards me. So I was like, I'm going to shoot him and do like a train wreck. This giant came out of the swamp, chasing that A-pointer away. I've never seen that before. The does took off running. And he started chasing him. I, man, I, my heart was... About to come out of my chest, you know, because I was so pumped. And then the big deer, the small deer runs away and the big deer started running behind them though. I mean, literally running full jump. And that's when I was like, man, 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 man,
4: man, man.
3: He never, I mean, never worry. He was uh, at the most 20 yards. I remember when he was going up, that's when I shot to his kind of like um organ cavity. And it's a split of a second, but I can remember like if it was yesterday, and with a high definition camera, as he was going down, that's when he got hit. And I said, "I smoked him," and then he stopped and took a run the other way. And I said, "I didn't," you know. I said, "Man, this is bad." And he stopped and he was hunched over, and walking away, flickering the tail like this. I was like, "He's he's feeling it," you know. But but he like, he's not toasted. So I picked up my arrow and walked about fifty yards. It was good blood, but it was it was too dark, like really dark red. And and at the time I had a little bit of knowledge. Well, not a little bit. I knew a little bit more what I was doing. I was like, this is not good. This could be liver, which could be just straight up muscle. Sure enough, you know, it wasn't a little hit. But at the end of the day, it was a priceless uh, experience for me. It was a priceless uh, lesson. To this is what happened when you step up on the big game, you know, and this is something that you guys know better about like got to me it was my first experience, and after that it just kept going uphill, like better and better and better, so
2: well, I will say that that like it it does i mean, yeah, you do get better, and you kind of learn to make a little bit better decisions, but i'm I still make decisions like that where you're like you just second guess yourself. Like, I don't think that, that go- ever goes away. Right. Like I have I have a good amount of confidence in the spots that I choose and you know, whatever, but I'm still always second guessing. Like, should I have been there? Should I have been here? Yeah. You just kind of have to, you just have to be more okay with like, maybe there was a better spot, but I'm here right now. You yeah. know what I mean? This is what we got. There's like, there's a balance between being uh, flexible and, and, changing and adapting and also like doing that and, and, and being the kind of guy that can adapt and also being the kind of guy that can just be confident in a, that, you know, what, you know, and what, you know, what works, right? Like we know certain things that will work with the right amount of time. We know that. So you don't want to make them, you don't want to make too many big changes too fast not give the things that always work a chance you know what i'm saying yeah, yes like there is that fine line that fine balance i think that that you find like the um that the jake Bushes kind of gravitate to that they yeah. they find themselves in there a lot um you know because i i think all of us would say we question and second guess and do all that but it's kind of what do you do then what do you do after that like, are you second guessing enough to actually make a move or you need to just
3: now wait it out. Yeah, now what I do uh, I try to you know have confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day it's like it doesn't matter to be honest. Like unless it's something really obvious. Like or, uh, this is it, you know. Unless it's that I will confidently climb and be like here it goes nothing. This could be it and it couldn't it could not that's what well. I don't build castles on my mind, you know, thinking that right here, this is where I'm going to kill the biggest deer of my life because it doesn't happen like that. You just can't do that, you know. Unless you're in a high fence property, it's just not going to happen. So I try to be really patient. Pay attention to the subtle sign. That's something else. A little bit of rousing right here, a little bit of poop right there, maybe a couple tracks, you know. Something that I have learned is that them them vegans, they don't really like to be living a lot of time behind. They like to stay as elusive as they can, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's something that I've been catching up. Like, and suddenly, man, like your eyes will just pick up on the things that before you used to just walk away from, or walk just right past them, you know. Um, it's like in that area that I've been talking to you about that I said that I want you to go out there with me. I know there's good dealer. It has to, but bread. I haven't been able to find a rug on uh what two, almost three years now. I don't is much a, that, There it, it's a nasty area. There's only one way in and one way out, unless you feel like I don't know, uh, MacGyver and you can build a chopper out of a plastic <laughs> toothpaste, can or something, you know. <laughs> Otherwise one to, way
4: in that the deer use that to their advantage, knowing there's one way in, one way yeah, out. Yeah, and, and they're sitting there watching people. I believe so. I definitely do. And could I you turn around and know. hunt them that way? I, Say that for I, them watching
3: others. I try one time, but unfortunately, it's so far down that you can go before you hit the private. Yeah. You know? And then the private is a boundary. And I know it's two things. They're gonna be up there on the private. They're going to be somewhere where they can see you and disappear before you even see them. So, it's a... You had to beat them there. Yes. And that's a game that I've been playing in another spot. Uh, I remember I bumped a good, good buck. A really good one. And I just started thinking about, like, why was he here? Then I went back. Actually, with Daniel. Remember? I don't know if you saw the video. I went back with Daniel, and he was bed like the perfect bed, fresh with hair still on it. And this is like a few months back, like maybe late, well, maybe six months ago. the The way that he's bedding, he has a visual like a mile, straight mile, all the way from the road to where he's at, and behind him is a bluff <coughs> where he can just disappear in anywhere any way that he wants. So I was like, okay, so this is a different game. This is a chess game. You know, I'm gonna have to maybe start using the creek to my advantage. Or maybe start trying to see if I can use people on my advantage. You know, that's something else that I learned. Pressure. If you get in the right spot, they might push them up to you. You know? Yeah. So that's something else too. Um also something that I have learned is the areas that you believe or you might think that is is a dead place, that's where a good one could be just bedded down, watching everybody going by without even moving.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that's an interesting thought. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. In a lot of the areas that I'm that I hunt, uh, the places where I have killed or seen the most big deer are usually the places that I don't see many deer. Mm -hmm. Like it'll be kind of like the one-offs, you know, like uh, I killed a big buck a few years back. And to this day, that's the only day that I've been in there and seen a deer. I've Mm. never, I've never seen another deer from the tree in that spot. You know what I mean? Like, and there's not even a whole lot of sign in there. It's just had he was around, he was using it. He wasn't, it was his bedroom, but he just wasn't really like, it was almost like he wasn't attached to it. Yeah, like he wasn't like laying down a whole bunch of stuff. And I think maybe in the early season that could be a good tactic it is finding those beds that look like they're not just getting like pounded every single day. Yeah. Um. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like definitely. they're not highly populated, yeah. but it might be populated by one good one. that yeah, He one. knows,
3: which is totally fine. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, and and we're going back again to the point where. Scoring is just completely secondary. Like, to be honest, it's, it's, it's about the memory. And that's what I want to do right now. Like I said, I'm 34. And do you trust me? Everybody's like, don't worry. You know, when you're in your mid-30s, that's when you're in your prime. Dude, if this is my prime, I'm screwed, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is, yes, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> and um, I want to make it count, like, right now. you know what I'm saying? Because, oh, my God, like. Dude, uh, one day I shot a spike again, a mile and a half. Yeah, look at that flexing. Hey, I tell you what, Brad, look, better call a plumber. Oh, I was about to burst. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Listen, I shot a spike and I was like a mile and a half from my truck. And the high of the day it was like 77. And do I start dragging that thing with my gear? And I was literally, and I'm not making this up. Thanks to God that day, I had, I didn't have my whitey tighties. No, just kidding. I had my long boxers. And I was walking out with an orange vest on my boxers with my gear in my back, dragging a spike. As I was walking closer to the trucks, there was an older gentleman, and he looked at me like, What in the F is going on? (laughs) Like, this dude, he has rubber boots, underwear. In an orange vest, like, and I'm like sweating head to toe. And I say, Hey, man, I got one, you know. They say it got hot, and I say, Dang, right, you (laughs) did. And he's like, Let me help you out. Super nice gentleman, dude. He helped me out with the deer. I got him out and all that stuff. Again, I just didn't have my knife and Uh my broadheads, it wasn't mechanical, so I wasn't able to.
1: Golly,
4: oh. what are do you doing?
1: Dude,
2: do you ever do you have a knife? <laughs> just I do.
1: I'm gonna mail him a knife and Parker, do I want you, you to put it knife? in the back. We're gonna have to bag. talk
2: to our friends over at over at Join or Die Pod or Join or Die Knife Company. Finger uh, gun time, uh, baby.
1: Segue.
2: We're I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to get with them, yeah.
3: About a about a Pablo Escobar knife and put and put some some kind of ad like, don't be like this guy. <laughs> and if we me walking out, <laughs> of, you know, walking out in underwear. Well, with let
2: them. me tell you, they probably can because they can do custom
3: work too. Oh, so we're, nice. we might just
2: have to, we might just have to make this a thing.
3: Yeah, this yeah. might be your
2: your Christmas present.
3: That'd be nice. SoCo, but but listen, he was such a nice guy that he helped me out he had a camp like a, a camper small camper he's a legit OG he got soap hand soap water um all kinds of knives <laughs> you know I was like oh my god you know like you got so many knives and I like, you know did he have a and, trench uh, coat what did he like open up a trench coat and, like... I, no if he would have done that i then you know, i'd be like i'm in the wrong place <laughs> you know but um uh, He even gave me his phone number and he said, stay in here. You're the only one that I have seen here for a while. Stay in this area. This is a good place. And I said, good. But a week later, he sent me a picture. I'm still got it right here of that. I'm pretty sure I sent it to you. It was a good eight pointer. He killed him about a week later on the same general area. And he sent me that picture. And that meant a lot to me because somebody else could have been like, oh, man, yeah, I just camped right here. It's not a lot of good deer back there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was a straight up honest with me because he was like a good deal. You know, he probably saw me so pumped and so happy with that little bit of spike. And um, he was like, good, you know, like, good That's for awesome. you, you know? So, yeah, man, definitely.
2: Pablo, bro, we appreciate you coming on. It's always a blast. Never nah. really have a point. Never really have like a, I mean an agenda. We just talking about good old fashioned yeah. deer hunting from your perspective,
3: which is uh now which is fun. Before we leave, before we leave, I got one more thing to say. And um we discussed about this last season, but I want to see Brett's Breath and um Walter's point. Last last year was a very, very difficult year for everybody in general. Like really rough. What are you saying? now? I
4: had
1: I had a great year, man. They're
2: they're in what different areas. Okay. They're, they're in different areas than we are, though. So okay. yeah, yeah. So, so it was it was a different. It was a different uh, scenario. Scenario. Yeah. For
3: us up here, it was very difficult because it was a lack of uh, source, food source, in a very very rough uh, drought, if we can say it like that. Yeah. So everybody keeps saying about the rut. The bugs are not running. bugs are not chasing. Those are not in heat. Nothing like that. I discussed with Parker this idea because it's an idea. It's not a theory because a theory is pretty much like fed up, you know? But is, is it possible that because of the lack of such important nutrient, such an acorn, if we look at a doe as a mechanism, like an as, as an organism, can that dough produce a less strong breeding cycle to like self-preservation. So in that way, you know, she minimizes the chance of getting pregnant, knowing that she doesn't know how hard or how long the winter is going to be. And if she gets pregnant, she's going to have to consume twice as much and she's struggling already. So can that be a factor? Like the lack of food can trigger like a self-preservation on her organism and being like, a, not, not happening this this year. Or it might happen, but be so briefly that a, that a bug could miss it, you know.
2: I will say this. I would almost be positive there is somebody listening to this that knows the answer to that question.
3: Because I want to make sure, I mean, I want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm not a veterinarian. And I'm not a biologist. I have no knowledge when it comes to wildlife management. So this is just an idea like, popped in my head.
2: Yeah, drought, I mean, the idea that in a drought year, a doe can preserve or self-preservate, I guess, would be the right word. Not, because I mean, she knows for, she's not going to have as much.
4: For me, I have no idea. I could not tell you, but I'll pass that off to the uh, water uh, Google box over there.
1: Well, yeah. um, what, what i know to be true is that it <laughs> um i mean i i'm purely speculating. Hang on, he's getting I'm a mad. phone call hang on oh, yeah yeah hang, hang, seconds. Hang, hold on a second guys hey on, my, my boss is calling hang on
4: sorry uh you probably lost pablo but this is a uh, marco <laughs> <laughs> another Polo inside joke that happens
1: yeah. every yeah. day um so i, I would i would <laughs> find it really hard it. to believe that there's not enough food in in those areas to sustain them still i mean if you had like a series of events where there was no food during the spring no food during the summer and then a hard mass disappeared maybe but you're not you're not dealing with like crazy hard winters like you are up in the dakotas where that could like really yeah have a have a factor i think what you're mo- more likely to see because they're gone all summer with an ample amount of browse you go into the fall the brow starts to kind of wane and then you have the acre the acorn drop. I think what's more likely is they would breed and then there wouldn't be enough food to sustain both both the mom and the the um fetus. And what's most likely is that she would abort the fetus instead of you know just by you know a lack of calories. Um I don't think that you have enough of a pinch point between the end of summer and December for food source wise especially with all the corn feeders you all probably have on private yeah. surrounding a lot of the areas you hunt I, I just don't I, I I wouldn't use that as a strategy but I'm yeah. probably wrong
4: but man I, I don't know about exactly your area but like just my thoughts on the thing is I don't think acorns acorns for, acorns, uh, huh? for the Marco group but uh, I don't think that's Enough to like I don't think that's a big enough food source to really make that big of a difference is deer eat so much browse and mm-hmm. leaves on trees, they'll eat all the, they'll eat the mm-hmm. tips off of tree limbs and just all kinds of woody browse. Like acorns are only for a small amount of time during the year. Oh. You know, there's more food source in a cutover than there are in just big timber.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at the barrier islands in Southeast Georgia and they have these monstrous deer populations where basically the, the one point in the nineties and the two thousands, um, the state of Georgia was desperate. They were like, please just come shoot these deer. We've got too many deer. There'd be a browse line in the trees about six feet tall. And when you would drive like down cows. the road, hmm Yeah. Like, just like cows, everything beneath there would be completely void of mm. browse if it was digestible, um, wow. or even remotely digestible. So I think. I think realistically, Brett's probably pretty, pretty square on the yeah. money there. I don't think it, I think what it definitely could impact though, is mm-hmm. your fawn recruitment rate the next year. I think you could definitely yeah. see a fawn drop with weak fawns or scattered, uh, fawn drop. And then as a result, you see a negative result the next couple of years when it comes to the amount of deer on the landscape. I can see that being a thing for sure. Yeah.
4: Pa- Pablo, do, do you hunt much around like cutovers? Because I'd feel like in that situation I'd be looking for the best food source, which would be something possibly like a cut or something.
3: Yeah, there's not many around the view that the view that you know, there that we have usually gets so crowded. Like, there's a real now makes perfect sense. You know,
4: or or maybe the deer are hugging the, the property lines more because mm-hmm. they're, yeah. getting well, they're, they're, they're getting they're I mean, getting supplemental feed.
2: That's going to be the case in pretty point. much most most big woods, big wood scenarios. You're not going to the the wood, the big wood, the big public woods yeah. are not going to carry the amount of deer that the big woods are going to carry in the places where they can bait on private land. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Uh, yeah. Alabama, Georgia, uh, Kentucky,
1: South Carolina.
2: South Carolina, a lot of the places that have these big woods, you know, I'm kind of vibes. Yeah, the private land can bait. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I was telling, uh, I can't remember who it was. It may have been Walter. It may have been somebody else. So we were talking about, like, seriously, maybe, maybe over ninety five percent of the deer that I've killed have been coming off of private land. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. they've walked onto public. And I watched them do it. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, another one of those kind of no-brainer things for big woods, southern
3: hunting. Yeah, when I, I killed a spike, it was really close to private. When I opened his content, I wanted to see what he was eating. And I opened his stomach, and he, he got corn. You know, he got them golden nuggets in there. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. It's going up there, coming back.
2: I just always assume. I just always assume if there's private, if I'm in Alabama, if there's private, yeah. It's probably got some corn on it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, and hell and so, their
1: whole mentality is if you don't corn it, you won't have the deer. So they, you know they're putting it out even if they really don't <laughs> yeah. believe in it. I just think mm-hmm. that, that there's this baseline assumption that you just have to do it.
2: Well, yeah. we kind of prove we kind of prove that point.
1: Yeah,
2: that's yep. where we're all hunting is the edges of those places that are corning the crap yeah. out of it every you know, year, but like one it.
1: that I killed this year was can't, had come off a of private at some point. Yeah.
4: I would say you look at the private as the de- designated uh, destination food source. Food source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, and you look for public for the thickest area on public because they're going to come off that private because all the people driving their four wheelers and trucks. They will not come bad on the public.
2: I think that's why we get so fired up about feed trees is because that's one of the that kind of season right through there is one of the only times when. Like on public, one of the main food sources or destination food sources in these type of areas. That's when it's on public, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a, lo- a little more fun, yeah.
3: Definitely. You
2: know, because you're not just hugging property lines at that yeah. point. You may be finding all the deer sign is right in the smack dab middle of the public, and they're traveling from this little thicket over to it that they've just moved into yeah. for the short little season while the white oaks are dropping. It's like that's what that's a kind of the fun part about early season is finding those little spots like that. But man, whenever food, whenever food starts drying up, you got to start hugging the proper lines. And you've got, you've got yellow acorns out there and food plots, you know, like you just, those those are, they've got to be important to anybody's tactics. I think in the South on, on these types of places. Anyways, it's a different story. You know, when you're talking about, um, uh, some, you know, some parts of Tennessee and Kentucky where a lot of the public has got these agriculture mm-hmm. and farmland with the destination spots there. It's a little bit different, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's, I'm not always hugging property lines in that scenario mm-hmm. it, because I don't have to because those destination spots are kind of all throughout the public area. Yeah. Um, but man, that's a. It's good conversation, man. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm getting fired yeah. up. I don't know about y'all. Me too. I'm getting fired up. I, I leave <laughs> I leave day after tomorrow for the start of this tour. We start hunting next week. <laughs> Boys. Well Boys. So, so let's That's do amazing, this
1: man. before we get carried away. We got a little bit of housekeeping we gotta do on the backside here. Uh we got a couple people we need to give some love to. Uh, we're gonna start with joining diet knives. Uh, Parker has raved for quite some time. And in fact, on Parker's old feet, he had Brent on. Uh, and we were recently asked if we've had him on the podcast, and I answered no initially. We're going to get Brent back on. He's actually part of our Discord group now, Parker. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, um, didn't see that. Yeah. And so we created a whole little forum just for him to answer questions for knives. Uh, and he's been answering a lot of random questions. I had a lot of like ignorant knife knowledge that I had just acquired, but, I don't know how to test it. And I've just been throwing it in that group and then it starts a conversation amongst a, a variety of people. And so, uh, if you're interested in talking to him, again, plug for Patreon. But if you want a, a, craft, a craftsman knife, a high, high quality knife, go to Joiner Die knives and use the promo code Hunt, and it'll get you 10% off their order. But we're really That's happy sweet. to be working with them this year. And, uh, there's a, there's sweet. a knife somewhere on. with your name on it. Come yes. on. Definitely, yeah. Have to. We, need a, <laughs> we, we need. We, to we need a, one of those. Yeah, you do. We both do. Um, but uh, yeah, and then obviously we got to give love to Botech. Parker. You and Matt had bro. a blast last year with them,
2: bro. Listen, I, I'm I'm going into the season with this carbon, uh, carbon one,
3: which is sweet, by
2: the way. Yeah, dude, look at that thing back there, just mm-hmm. shining like a beauty i'm going into the season more confident with my bow than i've ever been uh i answered a lot of questions of course the the video i just put out was a gun hunt but a lot of people you know i mean it was just just a rough it was a rough hunt um but even last year with a bow it was it was tough man i just had a tough tough season dealing with target panic um got this bow this this carbon one which is a 30 inch axle that axle and I think it has largely increased um my shooting and uh dude a freaking carbon bow man like it shoots like a carbon bow. Look at that. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful, dude. I'm so excited. I'm pumped about this season. I really am headed out with Tethered. Uh looking forward to which we just released a new episode with Tethered. Yep. Um with the guys from Tether. I listened to it today actually as we're recording this. I just, it dropped today and uh, I didn't get to be on that episode, but man, let me tell you what a freaking company, Walter, like these guys, when not just as business owners and they don't just make cool stuff, They're just cool people, dude.
3: dude like, and this is a, this is a, this is an opinion from a totally stranger to him and all that. Cause I haven't got the pleasure to meet quite a bit of them, but the few that I got to meet down there, man, what a. I mean, seriously, kind, kind people like this is, I get it. They got the logistics side and the business side, but it seems like they actually, it, it doesn't seem, they actually care more about your regular hunter than what mm-hmm. all these big companies will do. Like seriously. And they do try to develop their best product based on, you know, what's going to be the best for them guys out there so they can have a blast. soon. this is just something I want to say because this is the truth. you know. Yeah. Uh, that's the vibe that i got they were so kind so nice with me so
2: have you gotten to see that carbon
3: that's it yet. predator yeah that's it i can cool. already i got the predator but i can cool. already tell a, a carbon predator yeah we're talking about like a lambo the lambo yeah. uh-huh. the, Pablo,
1: the the bracket at the top of the carbon fiber yeah predator That was a brainstorming idea that me and Ernie had at the 2019 Deer Expo, and I've been waiting for them to roll it out. And they they kicked the can down the road until they rolled out the Predator platform. And it's sweet because you can put – what they did was they took the bracket that goes at the top of the tree that you can kind of put your foot against, and they blew it out to where you can use it as another point of leverage as you go around the tree or as you spin around, you can get your foot on it real solid. That thing is going to be sweet.
3: That's
2: Walter saying, hey – that was my idea. Yeah, <laughs> so that
3: was. But, that was what that was. Yeah, that was. That's a really good idea. You know? Yeah, and those <laughs> those snacks, you saw, they were for your trip, not for today. But I guess they're gone.
2: Oh, y'all listen. So here's the best thing about not. It's not the best thing about Pablo, but it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a great quality of Pablo. He brings me all these like Mexican candies and like, um,
3: Hispanic, uh, Hispanic,
2: yeah, sweet. Whatever. This one's caramel corn.
3: Alboroto uh, Alboroto Alboroto yeah you have to like pronounce the T you have to pronounce it right real so, good but anyways dude I was like oh man he's leaving so I'm just gonna bring him something so he can snack on his way up there it didn't last long mm. you know, snack for a parker on that. are in danger but
2: boy it's late
3: yeah yeah yep
2: I need to get some sleep Pablo, thanks for coming on.
3: No, this is my pleasure, man.
1: Standing invite, Pablo. I speak for everyone here and everyone who listens. Anytime you want to put a mic in your face, drive over to Parker's house, and we'd love to have you on, man.
3: Man, I appreciate that a lot. It means a lot to me. And uh, like I said, you guys are, you guys are amazing. Uh, I just don't have enough words to describe, you know, how thankful I am, and, you know, how grateful for everything that we have, everything that I get to do now. So, I mean... Thank you, thank you, thank you all for having me here, man, and uh, definitely learn a lot. I did, and uh, I will be asking around. Trust me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> i like, I don't know what to doing now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Screw these, i doing it.
2: Walter, would you do this? Do us the honors? Would you? Would you lead us on out of here? Well, guys,
1: I appreciate each and every one of you listening. I don't have an in- an ex- outro for this series yet for uh the southern collective so i'm going to end it with a classic until next time you guys get outside and enjoy the great outdoors yes sir